Listen up, all my freaks. This is your warlord of weird, Sin Bodie talking at you. And we're live and in color with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. And today, we've got a cool episode. Now, I don't know if we're going to call you Wolfie, or I don't know if we're going to call you Slash, but this episode is <laughs> going to be all about TNA. So, first off, so let's start off. Yeah, all <laughs> TNA, baby. So, how you doing, buddy? How you doing, Wolfie? You good, man? Doing good. Just got back from the gym, had a little something to eat, and forgot about you. <laughs> hey, hey, it's all good. You know, <laughs> I'm live and in color, so I'm going to be on you, man. No, I'm just kidding. You forget about me sometimes. It's okay. I'll be all right. But this is going to be a fun episode. You know, our, our numbers for the Ask Wolfie Part 2 are blowing up, so... Everything's looking good. Things are going well with the Live and in Color crew. We're uploading a new T-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees, and that's a lot of fun. So to start this off, I think we kind of need to backtrack a little bit. So Mm -hmm. with the idea that you were in TNA, first off, the slash gimmick idea, like, tell us about that. How did you come up with that? Where did you come up with that? Tell us about Slash. I, I just needed something new. Um, I felt like I had outgrown the PG-13 gimmick. Um, it, it worked for us because we were young punks, and it, we're, it was us, you know. But then as I got older, it didn't feel like me anymore. Then along came John Cena, and, you know, even though we were first, he he was getting the push on TV, and you had too cool and all that. I mean, you just... The hubcap had outlived uh, itself. I, I was at a gimmick table one time with the hubcap, and this kid comes by and he asked me what it was. And I thought these kids—they don't—they know what rims are. They don't know what fucking hubcaps are. So just the whole thing <laughs> felt like it had ran its course, and I needed to reinvent myself. And I really don't know. I don't know. I kind of pieced it together. Um, the you know the the white eye and then I, I made the scar through the eye, uh, yeah. carried the knife, you know. So I I don't. It, it was just an idea of a look basically, right? And then I the idea of okay, this guy's going to be somewhat of a serial killer and have that yeah. mentality. Uh, and the first name was Slash Killings. Okay, uh, kind of a play words. But Cornette, when I came, because really the first place that I started developing it was OVW. And when I called Cornette about it, he didn't like the last name. He said, just be Slash. Okay, fine. So I jumped into the um, Disciples of Sin um, and then, you know, ran that deal. But we're not talking about OVW today. Ran that deal. But then uh, that's basically just how I, I came up with it. And I developed the look and more of the character there. And then okay, is when TNA started and Jeff called me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that leads us into that. First of all, just to backtrack just a second here. So I like the idea. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you definitely had this serial killer vibe about you. You know, you had the, with the eyeball, the scar, the Fu Manchu. I mean, you, you had that look 
um, definitely a, a serial killer. And it was such a different look than Wolfie D. It was like right. night and day. And I mean, some would say you were almost unrecognizable to Wolfie D. Some of the you know, boys, man, to this day that when they find out Oh shit! You were Slash. I had no idea. You know. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool because that's exactly what you wanted. From what you know, you said right. You you wanted to separate yourself, which you know, to me, you know how how better to separate yourself than to totally revamp your look. And I thought it was just such a cool look, like because you had the the black le- patent leather kind of tights, and then you you had like. The total, like, I mean, like you said, you look like you had grown up overnight, too, because the PG-13 gimmick had a youthful vibe to it. Yeah. And uh, you were like a a totally different character. Anyway, long story short, thought it was a great idea. I was a fan from the start when I saw it. So, so again, uh, so when you first hear about TNA, where did you first hear about TNA, like the rumblings of TNA? Well, you know, as I've talked before, Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Jarrett uh, gave me gave me and Jamie a break. Jeff's always been cool to me, uh, and I can't remember how it came about, but he basically, when it was in the making, when it was being planned for, he was kayfabing exactly what it was, big time. But I was one of the people that he. He actually made Scott Steiner uh, sign a contract. I forget the name of what that what it is exactly, but it's like you're sworn to non- secrecy, basically. Yeah. I can't think of the name. Yeah. Uh, the is it name like a it, non-disclosure I, or something? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And uh, okay. I didn't have to sign one of those, but he swore me to secrecy because he wanted yeah. my help trying to design a logo, and he also wanted to use me, too, uh, with the Slash gimmick. So that's where I first started hearing about it, and I was going back and forth with him, shooting him some logos. He didn't end up using the, any of the ones I gave him, but, uh, you know, whatever. I actually, when when we first started running at the fairgrounds and all that kind of stuff, I was the one that was designing the tickets. If you recall, the tickets had little pictures, you know, I made yeah. all those. And, that's uh, awesome. So, yeah, so that was a little bit of my end, but also, you know, the slash and, and all that shit. So, yeah, the yeah. first show was Huntsville, and uh, that that's that's just how I got in. Okay, because I know, you know, you kind of have always had – once you're in the business, you have your ear to the ground pretty much at all times right. until you pull your ear away. Right. But So what were your first thoughts of the thought of TNA? I mean, did, like as far as the explanation of TNA, like when he said, okay, we're putting this together, the name is TNA, the plan, new WCW type. I mean, what do you, what were, what was he telling you as far as like, hey man, it was, you know, the first deal they were doing was supposed to, it was, something they were wanting to be kind of like revolutionary, a weekly okay. pay-per-view. Don't have to pay, you know, 40 or 50 bucks uh, for a pay-per-view. They pay once a week, 10 bucks or whatever it was uh, to watch the yeah. weekly pay-per-view. I think that's the way it, I know it was that way at the fairgrounds. I'm pretty sure the other two, because uh, we, we started out, we did one show in Huntsville. And then from there it went to the municipal auditorium in Nashville and then from yeah. there, it went to the fair to make that the the home ground, home home ground fairground. Um, 
it was the asylum but i i thought it was a cool concept i mean it was different and you're always looking for something different but with right. it being jeff and when it was jeff and jerry you know it kind of felt like sort of like home it felt like uswa 2.0 to me you know what i mean it's like i'm right. i'm comfortable you know uh yeah a lot of that i didn't know you know they brought in some dudes that weren't kind of like the the southern guys or whatever but you know it it was evolving and uh, i thought it was a, a cool idea you know and and how did how did you like it being in nashville your hometown man because i mean for years you had been in memphis of course you had wrestled i mean every saturday night in nashville but at the same time you know how did it feel to be in nashville uh you yeah. had a home base was it yeah cool i loved it man i mean obviously being from there and you know, going to school there and all that stuff, and then just being over there, uh, yeah, with the wrestling, community, you know, I got a good following in Nashville, so it was it was good, man. Uh, you know, that first show, uh, you know, and it's funny because Jeff, as I said, he's always helped me out. Um, Jeff thinks of me, and I don't mean this to be derogatory, but I think Jeff's opinion of me is more of a. He, we used to call it a carpenter. He's a good hand. He can work with anybody. He can do this. But I don't think Jeff has ever really considered me a main event guy. So when they did end up finally putting me, you know, I was just, I think I was meant to be there as just a, just a, a, a wrestler, you know, just another character. Um, so, uh, you know, I was just there for the battle Royal. And then when we got to the municipal auditorium, then they put me with, uh, the first kind of new church thing. I mean, Mitchell came out out with me on the first one, but the first new church thing was at the auditorium and it was me and crowbar and Mitchell was with us. And I can't remember if they called us new church yet or not. They might have, but that, that, we wrestled with each other. Then they put malice with us. So I do. Yeah, we were, we were uh new church at that time. So they, we're not really pushing us as a tag team. They were pushing malice and they were kind of pushing the, the new church as a group, but right. it didn't, it, it wasn't that push that me and Brian Lee got when that finally happened. And yeah, that yeah, yeah. was kind of, a, that was kind of a, it was really supposed to be like a one week thing. Um, I, I did the dive out of the balcony through the table on, uh, I think we, we jumped, uh, James Storm and Chris Harris, America's most wanted. And, and I did that out of the, out of the balcony. And then uh, the following week they were going to put the belts on us and they did, but it was really supposed to be a one week thing, but then it turned into this incredible angle. And that's when it really got over and that's when I think, you know, they really started believing that we could carry the fucking rock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, what's funny is you lead into the next question so well, man. So we're we're a good team. We're like, you know, we've said this, I think, before, but you're the Johnny Carson. I'm the Ed McMahon. So this is fun. <laughs> you know, when when Ed gets to ask the questions, it's always kind of fun, man. So so basically, that that was my question. So like, what did you think would happen with Slash the character? What were you told by the the, the higher ups? Were you promised anything? Now again, you kind of said Jeff saw you as a carpenter, but at the beginning, were you promised anything other than just a job? Or I mean, was there anything? No, that I, wouldn't, you... I wouldn't promise a fucking thing. Um, yeah. 
I can't remember. I mean, I ended up signing a contract and mine was, uh, it was like so many dates. And I mean, at that point they were just doing Wednesday nights, but it was so many, I was promised so many appearances. Um, right. Out of there. So I want to say it was, I don't know, uh, 25 or something like that, maybe. So it was, yeah. I knew, okay. And they kept doing this where, like they'd leave us off for three, four weeks, then they'd bring us back, and then and, and once we got in that angle, of course, then there was a lot of you know goings on there, a lot of bookings and around. Yeah. But when yeah. that was over, it's like they did the old okay, we don't know what to do with you. So me and Brian sat at home for a while, and then when they brought me back, well, they brought him him and me back to do the the angle with uh, all the ECW guys. And the yeah. Harris brothers and all that stuff, um, but it was just I couldn't figure it out. And then and they weren't really telling us nothing. Just no, nah, we ain't got you this week. We ain't got you this week. We ain't paid. Well, what the fuck, man? And it right. it ended up um, at the end um, when when they ended up I, I can't remember. Yeah, when they ended up going to Florida, um, I actually had to put the hammer down to get the rest of my money because they did not that see, I guess the first I can't remember what year I signed it uh, but it was only for one year and I think it was near the end so like from 2001 or whatever when they started to 2004 when I was done with them there was only one year there where I was contracted and I guess that was the you know the last year but those other ones that's what I say I wasn't really promised anything the last time I was promised something and they didn't live up to it um, yeah so I ended up having to be like, yo, um, I'm going to get a fucking attorney or something because what they owed me was a, was a few thousand dollars. And, you know, I yeah. I'll just let that yeah. put me off and put me off. And I, I started kind of, I don't want to say threatening things, but I guess I was kind of threatening things. And I said, I'm going to fucking tell everybody because the Internet was starting to come around. Like, I'm right. going to put this out there that y'all ain't fucking living up to your shit. And plus, I'm going to go get in a fucking attorney. Right. Ended up, uh, I didn't have to do all that. They ended up giving it to me. Like I said, it was a couple, two, three grand, something like that. But, I mean, I just wasn't going to let that slide. Two grand, three grand. You can't. You know, that's, that's yeah. money that I want. Promised me yeah. that I'm going to give it. So, right. when they went to Florida, um, you know, I was working it because we were in Nashville. I didn't have to travel, so I I could have a job and do that. And plus, I'd been in business long enough to know not to put all my eggs in that basket, especially when there were guys, you know, that I was saying, okay, because I, I, I wasn't in the clique. Even though we got a good push and all that kind of shit, I wasn't one of Bob Ryder's guys. And by that point, right. you know, got Dixie and them that bought it out. So Jerry yeah. Jarrett's gone. Um you know, I wasn't in any of those clicks and yeah. I got guys that are coming in, getting contracts that it's another one of those situations where it's like, wait a fucking minute here. I've been here since right. the fucking beginning. I fucking helped you do all this behind the scenes shit. And I'm getting fucking just barely anything here. You know, money wise, yeah. it was all right. That I didn't have to travel, and I was guaranteed right. a certain amount every Wednesday night. But uh, but when they went to to Florida, the, like I said, I had to fight for my money and all that shit. So I don't know if I pissed anybody off or what. But at that point, I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, you know, they they were kind of in a flux at that time anyway because of the Canada Energy deal. We'll talk about that in just a second here. Hey, folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. I don't want to lead you anywhere in this conversation because if you want to talk about whatever, you, you say it. But but there are yeah. some things that I do want. So like with the TNA Asylum and the fairgrounds, that's uh-huh. old news to you. You've known the fairgrounds all your life, basically. Yeah. So, but being you know watching that on TV, it, it was like a, a a great atmosphere for wrestling in that building. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can you compare the TNA days to your your USWA days, and the, can you compare the vibe in there? Well, you know, it's all been a great building. It, you know, that building was legitimately built for wrestling. That's what they built it for. Right. Uh, right. The Google's days. And so the way that it was set up, um, the USWA days, it was, I mean, bro, they, they fought the fans. It was like when we had that shit rocking, there'd be fans fighting in the stands every fucking Saturday night, man. Five, <laughs> man. And we'd go fighting in the stands and probably provoke them. But yeah. Uh, yeah. When they came in, they actually they they repainted everything. They black it. They blacked out everything. Painted the walls, uh, added some stuff, and you know, of course, the the stage and all that kind of stuff that was never there before. So right. they changed the look of it to make it look a little different. Um, but to me, the atmosphere a little bit of different fan base, but not really. So there yeah. wasn't a whole. Yeah. Change, but but it, I mean we're talking about you know ninety I guess about a probably almost a ten year difference to where the business was changing and evolving so right. a little bit different fans there not so much the we believe it and we'll fight you over it but put on a right. to the to the fan of put on a good show for us you know so yeah that kind of how it changed but a lot of the same people. But right. then I did have a lot of new fans too, and they were they were paper in the town. It wasn't all paid for like USWA. We we would pack it out, and every person that came in that door had to pay. Well, TNA, for it. yeah, right. Doing right, you know, wanted TV. They wanted pay per view money, so yeah. they they were giving away a lot of tickets. So I remember the one thing I was going to ask you too. You know, the hill section too. I remember, yeah. like I know in the USWA days. The, the heel section would have been booing you, you know, <laughs> they would have been, yeah. but in the, those days, now, how would you as a wrestler, especially playing or portraying a heel, how would you, you know, because you've been a heel in both eras, basically, how yeah. did you, how did you work with that being cheered when you didn't want to be cheered, you know, like well, back in the day, you could say some things that you couldn't get away with today. Right. And sure. there, and 
you know, Jamie had a good line and I use it a lot. And uh, I don't know if I've heard other people say it or not, but it was just the line basically, Hey, I don't, I, I don't know how to word this politically correct right now, but um, we would just say, let's just say we would bury them as being part of uh, a group of people that would be sure. very offended today. We said that. Yeah, so, I get it. We get it. Yeah, <laughs> better. Sure. Look, I don't, right. I don't like your, I don't like you people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't want you in my fan sure. club. So, and, and, yeah. and if you just, that's really the only way to turn those type of people. And now you just, you can't turn them really. I don't think yeah. that you yeah. could turn them just getting personal, just making it very right. personal and pissed off. So it was cheap heat, but it was a way to make them stop cheering. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, because if you think about it, I was always a mark. I was, man. So I would cheer for the good guys and boo the bad guys because I was a mark Mm -hmm. from the old days, you know? So I just wanted to play along like I was playing part of the show. And it was weird to me to see that happen from a guy who watched it in the 80s, 90s, and then boom, Mm -hmm. in the 2000s, there's a whole section dedicated to cheering <laughs> you know right Who uh, one of the guys is like the the main guy there i knew him i had actually uh bounced with him at coyote ugly uh yeah so like at, at that point uh you know you know you didn't even try then it was just they're gonna do what they're gonna do but right. I, i'm referring of course to you know the 90s and stuff when you know me and jamie if we were heels which a lot of the 90s we were and you know ecw we were and all that so we would do stuff like that and of course we know jamie is is you know gold on the mic when it comes to oh you know listen yeah so you know one of his one of the other lines is he'd pick out a girl in the crowd and he'd say i'd I'd tell you a joke to knock your titties off but i see you already heard it everybody start laughing she'd be all just, I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, his other good line was he'd find somebody in the crowd and he'd point at him and he'd say, hey, boy, looks like your ears are so big. Looks like your mama had an affair with Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a, that's that's like, going to be a Hall of Fame one. Yeah. yeah. He would just do shit like that at the beginning of the matches and I'd play along where – you know, the people would pop and I'd pop like I'm just laughing my ass off and then he'd go to the next person and then we'd have our match, but he'd have already set yeah. up the heat, you know, so. Oh, Jamie was quicker than a hiccup on the mic, man. He was true. Yeah. That one that he said to Jenna Jameson is legendary, too. We go oh, yeah. back and listen to that episode. Anyway, yeah. so so basically the asylum, the fairgrounds, we wanted to do a little comparison there. Do you have any funny stories from the fairgrounds? Like anything? I know you said the crowds fighting and stuff. Do you have anything off the top of your head that, that makes you think of the fairgrounds at all? Um... I mean, probably a million, right? (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's hard to think back that far to anything specific. I know, you know, there's stuff in the locker room that's taken place. I mean, Lord have mercy. I got into it with Sandman one time. Uh, Not this (laughs) fight. I kind of, he pissed me off. I asked him uh, something. I said something about, motherfucker, you ever been on WrestleMania? Well, I have. (laughs) Some shit like that. He was, I kind of didn't get along with him. He was all right sometimes. Once he got started getting uh, a little fucked up, he was a dick. But uh, yeah, yeah. Hell, me and 
me and the rod got into it one time there. That was more my fault than anything. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't physical. It was just more word right. exchange. Um, I fucking. <laughs> I've I've slapped Jamie in the fucking locker room over there. He and this was actually for Bert Furnace and them. He we were all when you know I told you me and Jamie and Chris Michaels and the Midge and Gypsy and all them. We all lived in the same apartment complex. Bobby and Eaton and uh, I don't know. I had invited Jamie and his girl over for dinner. My girl cooked. It was like before, let's, let's eat before we go to the show. And we cooked yeah. and all this, and then motherfucker no-showed. And, and it fucking pissed me off that he, you know, that we cooked for him and everything, and then he didn't fucking show up. And uh, so when I got to the building, he was sitting down, and uh, I started fucking just going off on him, going off on him, and he said something, and he was sitting in a chair, and I was standing up, and I just slapped him. I didn't punch him, I just slapped him. And yeah. he didn't do shit. Put his head down, yeah. start shaking. I think I actually slapped him again. Uh, <laughs> but it pissed off, man. <laughs> so, that's not the uh, man. Me and Jamie, this is going off topic of TNA real quick. But I know there's one story that we never talked about was the one where, yeah, and and this relates because me and Jamie have fought more than one time. And uh, right. the first time it happened though was in Memphis, and we were staying at this lady's uh, trailer. And we got into it, and we had never. There was always in the back of my head of he's built on these boy, he might can fight. You know what I mean? So we never right. really tried each other. Well, he was standing on the stairs that that lead down out of the trailer, and I was on the ground. Well, I started to turn. We'd had, we exchanged words. I didn't know what was mad at each other about. No telling. But he jumped off the steps and punched me. Boom. And I went down because he kind of came almost like a cross body punch. You know what I'm saying? Like a yeah. Pez press punch. Yeah. And so he was on top and I reached up and I put my thumb in his eye and I literally, I felt it pop out Ooh. and pop back in. And it was, a, I mean, instantly his eye was black and swollen shut. I mean, I felt it. It was, it was the weirdest feeling. I've never done that to anybody before, but I, I, I hooked that thumb in his eye and I felt it go bloop. Bloop. And then I I grabbed him. And of course, he let go of me at that point. He grabbed his yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> I, I rolled him over, and then I was on top, and I just started knocking him. And uh, like I said, his, his eye was instantly black. You can go back and look. It was when I think me and him were actually the first time they broke us up in Memphis. We were feuding with each other, and he come he showed up TV with a big old black eye where I put my thumb. Oh in. man. <laughs> yeah, cause go on YouTube, kids, and watch that one. We'll know the story behind it. <laughs> anyway, back to TNA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back to TNA. Well, I led you in a path of getting a good story, and I think that was a good story. You know, what's funny, man, is I, all you wrestlers go for that eye pop, man. I always hear somebody <laughs> saying, I'm going to pop an eyeball. And it's like, yeah, that's the end of the fight for sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to or learn the you, eye pop trick just in case, you know. <laughs> or just rip a Coke can in half and slice their face with yeah. it. I mean, something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the first Ask Wolfie. I love that. That was a great story. <laughs> Uh, boogie woogie <laughs> anyway yeah. all right so you know one thing i was thinking because today we we all stream now everything is streaming basically cable is dead 
you know, even WWE kind of has killed the old style of pay-per-view with their, their network and everything. And, you know, honestly, I almost give credit to TNA that early nine ninety nine weekly. Now, again, that adds up to 40 bucks a month, but at the same time, nine ninety nine is that is that kind of magic number. You know, like what were your thoughts on that weekly pay-per-view model when you first heard of it? Were you like, okay, that's kind of weird or, oh, that might work, you know? Like I said earlier, you know, I mean, I guess they were just trying something new to see if it would work. And you got a new yeah. company that's yeah. only pay-per-view, you know? So I don't know. I think my thoughts were kind of more of, I felt like you had to give them something to see before they decide they was going to pay for it, no matter whether it's $10 or not. Because I'm trying to think of that, you know, 2000, you still you didn't have strong, strong internet yet, did we? I, right. I'm trying to remember. I don't, not so really. it's not like yeah. you could plug it on the internet to, or Facebook right. or whatever. You didn't have that where you could plug it to say, hey, this is what right. we got. Come watch. So it was like, okay, how are we going to get them to pay $10 to see something they're not even really sure what it is? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, mean, MySpace, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you just just didn't have a way to really advertise it that well, I don't think. And I mean, I'm trying to think back, but I, I think that's the way I thought about it at that point, you know? Yeah. Did you ever hear any kind of like numbers on ratings or anything like what how it was doing at all? Do you remember? Uh, but just like any wrestling promoter, whatever they're going to inflate the numbers K-fade. and tell you everything. Yeah, <laughs> kayfabe. Oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, or if you're not getting paid good, oh, we're struggling right now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, like at that time, you know, Jared, Jeff, Jared. I know you had a great history with both of those guys, especially you know the story of Jeff recording y'all's first match. How was your relationship with them at that time, and how was their relationship from what you saw? Was it were they pretty copacetic with each other at the time? Oh, yeah. Working. It was cool up until see they they went through a period uh, where they didn't talk for years. I'm coming. They didn't talk. Yeah. They didn't right, and it was because DNA. Uh, they they started it, and then when they sold out to Dixie and Jerry flew the coop, he, you know, he said, "Fuck it," and yeah. I think it's because he didn't think it was going to work. Uh, okay, that I, you know, I think that's what happened there, and and they literally yeah. did. They didn't talk for years, years, yeah. and. Um, I know, uh, well, I don't want to get too personal, but I know there were some some events, we'll say, that a father would have attended for his son that he didn't. Um, gotcha. Okay. Some, yeah. Some things that just, that's how that's how big the heat was. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, so before that, though, um, you know, it was like it always was. I didn't notice anything different. And, you know, they they both, you know, Tell me what the deal was for the night. And, you know, like I said, I don't think it was really planned for us to have that good run that, you know, with the AMW and that feud, but they saw what was going on there and they'd have been idiots not to, to keep the feud going and, you know, push it. it. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the pluses was that James uh, and Chris were Bob Ryder guys. So, right. That that was to, to our advantage that we were working Bob Ryder's guys, <laughs> right? Because they right. also knew 
me and Brian could get them over, and we yeah. did. Yeah. That was their first big feud, um, and and uh, we got them over, man, as yeah. well as ourselves at the same time. And after that, you know, I went through a few partners. We talked about this. You know, I had Sin Bodie, I had Flash Flanagan, I had Crowbar, yeah. I had uh, I think that might have been Brian. And uh, you know, none of them worked like Brian did, brother. Then, you're like a you're like a psychic man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I was just gonna say it was just funny. Like after that feud, you know, and I told you it's kind of like. We weren't there for a while. Then we came back, and then we get involved in the thing where it's like, all of a sudden, I become a fucking hardcore wrestler. It's like all the fucking matches they put me in with Raven and right. all the ECW guys and all that shit, they were all fucking, you know, clockwork orange matches, weapon matches. Yeah. With no DQs. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, it worked. <laughs> I mean, it's true, though. You were, like... I think they thought like you carrying a hubcap and using that in your old, you know, in your younger days. I don't know. Maybe just they realized I was versatile and I could right. I can work with any and I can work any fucking style you need me to work. You know, and yeah. not that I yeah. wanted to be that, but I mean, it, I made it yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. No, and you did. You did. It was awesome, man. So my next question, obviously, Brian. We all know Brian Lee was your best tag team partner. I, mm. I think you guys just worked so well together in that, you know, crew of the new church there. You know, my question was, is really, who did you think was, I mean, not, I don't know if you want to name names on this, but, you know, obviously probably Sin would be maybe your second best. Who didn't click? You know, who who did you feel like was just like, okay, this is not going to work? Was there anybody that... I didn't work with Crowbar long enough for that to really be a, a thing, so... Right. Um, and when they brought Flash in, like me and Flash had, we had uh, had feuds. We worked well against each other. I worked in a whole bunch yeah. of times. We were, we were a tag team for Burt for a while and we were good with that. We were baby faces, but in the gimmick of the new church and the character that they were trying to make him, I, I didn't no, I didn't think yeah. that was going to work. And, and not really because of in-ring work or anything, but just, I don't know, the way they were trying to do it, just, it wasn't that good. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's just like, even during that, that was Russo's booking. And he tried to turn Slash into something that I was not. And I was very uncomfortable with it. I mean, they had me do a a promo where me and, me and Flash are sitting on the um, steps there and you know they called they called Flash they called him Cobain, like Kurt Cobain. Right. So he's right. Be all fucking mellow and you know maybe you know portraying like drugged out or something. And he's so he's sure. just kind of leaned up against me. And the 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 promo that I was given, and the way that Russo explained to me to do it was almost a Raven promo. And I'm thinking I am not yeah. fucking Raven. Flash is a fucking maniac who usually will yell and, and, you know, before that always had Jim talking for me, but in OBW, right. I did talk for myself. So, but it, I, I didn't, I didn't talk like what the fuck he gave me. And so I don't yeah. know like where that came from. And I even said something about it, but I'm trying to rock the boat too much, you know? Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. But he, he reassured me that it would be, and I hated it. I fucking hated it. It was, it was probably yeah. the worst promo. Like I've ever been involved with that had me speaking, <laughs> but yeah, because it just wasn't. You've, 
it was again going back to that shit of man just tell me what you want me to say don't i mean it was one of those ones where it was all written out and say it like this right. and say it like that hey dude this ain't fucking me man but whatever let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors and we'll be right back with more live and in color with wolfie d This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at Steve Bowtie Bryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. How was it working with Russo? Like, did you feel like he, I mean, obviously it doesn't sound like he did, but did you feel like he understood your character in your mind? Um, I think that Russo, it's just like the whole thing that Cornette always says. He thinks we're Southern guys with a bunch of dumb fucking hillbillies. And he knows okay. I'm a Memphis. Uh, you know, I've had, I had history uh, with him. Not really. He was, the, he was a magazine guy when I was in WWF. He was right. responsible for Jamie being on the cover that one time where there's a little picture of us and a little picture of Farouk and then a the big picture of Ahmed. Yeah, that was his doing. He liked that gimmick or something. I don't know. Uh, but once he, you know, you got to remember, this is post him, uh, you know, getting over as a booker and being, you know, sure. proclaimed the greatest fucking mind ever. I don't, I've never thought that, you know, what he did after that, because he had help there. Don't, uh, you know, nobody says, you know, him going to WCW and, and then him coming to TNA, I just, He's not a wrestling guy, man, and and he don't really like the wrestling guys, especially the southern wrestling guys. He don't right. he don't understand it. And he never he never watched it. You know, he, he just I heard Cornette say one time on his podcast, you know, he said he told Russo that people used to actually believe it. And, and Russo couldn't fucking believe that they believed it. He just, he's like, no way, whatever, you know. But that's his, right. that's how he thinks. But if, to him, it's all about the the goofy stories and stuff. And yeah, wrestling's always been a soap opera, but he made it, took it a step further to where he didn't care about the in-ring stuff and, the, and, and, and that type of stuff. Just like in TNA, he had that group called Sex. I mean, that just shows you. Right. And and again, not like the attitude era wasn't based on stuff like that, but you also had your that's why they called it attitude attitude wrestling, you know great wrestling and great stories and believable shit, you know. Right. But right. I, I don't think I mean that was once he got there, that was the end to me, basically. You know, that was the end. Uh, I was there for a little while, 
but it was never the same again. And that's when they just kind of, we don't know what to do with y'all. Cause that's when the people started cheering for us at that point, uh, chanting yeah. evil and all stuff. And, Oh, we don't know what to do. Well, you know why you don't know what to do? Cause you're not a wrestling guy. <laughs> you don't understand what has just happened. You've had heels that have gotten over so well that now the people fucking like them because they're such hard ass tough guys and they want to cheer right. for them. And you don't know right. what to do because, that doesn't register with you. Right. Well, you know, I think I heard Ole Anderson say this in a story. So this was when the Andersons, Gene and Ole, were working against Ric Flair, Greg Valentine. And he was talking about how that the people would actually start to cheer the Andersons over Ric Flair and and Greg Valentine. And he said any time that a, a, a heel tag team is considered more badass than the team that they are working or the teams that they are working, the crowd will end up cheering the badass heels. And that's yeah. just, you know, and that's basically proof positive of what you're talking about right there. If the heels get over as badasses, it's, it's almost like you're going to turn them, you know, baby face. So anyway, that's gotta, just what I heard. Old. You got to remember in Nashville, I had been a baby face since PG-13 for so long. And then, and then eventually, like, you know, we talk about my change and a lot of people didn't know and stuff like that. There's also a lot of people that that realize that that's fucking Wolfie D right there. And we've cheered for him for <laughs> fucking years. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, I got Wolfie chants every now and then, you know. Or, oh, I'm yeah, sure. You'd, you'd hear somebody yell out of the crowd, come on, Wolfie, you know, shit like that. and uh, Of course hard adjustment for their for them to not call me that you know what i'm saying so there was oh, that totally. factor but uh yeah vince just i don't know man he's he's a whole different thing <laughs> yeah yeah anyway well enough about mr vince russo bro bro so at that point in time do you remember hearing about dixie and panda energy and stuff like that yeah what yeah you- i knew somebody was buying us out it was an energy company out of dallas or texas or whatever and uh right. And then they they came around, um, and I do know, you know, I was, uh, what's her name? <laughs> what's her name? <laughs> Dixie. Uh, yeah, Dixie. Sorry, brain fart. Um, I didn't have much Dixie with her because I swear to God, I, I had been told that she was kind of like afraid of me, like believed in that look and the way I acted, you know? Uh, okay. So I didn't have she was, you know, she was one of the ones I believe to be a mark for the pretty boys and wanted to hang out with the pretty boys. And, you know, Slash was definitely not a pretty boy and right. a, a crazy looking fucker. And so yeah. she, I mean, let's face it. She was a mark. She, right. You know, so she's going to buy into shit like that because she is a mark. She hasn't been around the business. Yeah. Somebody... Somebody that has never been around the wrestling business, if you were to take them into, I don't want to say any locker room, because there's some where you would be like, this looks like fucking my neighbors right here. But I'm talking about when you're around a bunch of real wrestlers that look scary and fucking, you know, all that right. kind of stuff. And you, you're yeah. going to buy their fucking character, man, especially if they're good yeah. at their fucking job. You're going to buy into their right. characters. Right, so, right. That's what place the mark into there and you know I'm a, I'm a fucking psycho and I don't you know dressing room I ain't walking around kissing nobody's ass and shit like that and I'd 
a lot of times I kept to myself and, you know, uh, you know, talk to the guys that I know or whatever, but I'm not going to run up, hello, Miss Dixie, because I know you by the company and I want you to like me. And, hello, my, my name is Slash. I'm it's not a, this is a real thick guy here. This is, you know, I can take it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just <laughs> I just somebody told me that she was a fan of Wolfie's D. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, I, I'd heard some stories that she had maybe hooked up with a couple of wrestlers. I'm not putting that on you. Man. <laughs> no, I don't know. I heard the same thing. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Kevin Nash maybe or somebody like that. I don't know. Anyway, so really, we're we're kind of going to wrap it up here. I don't have much else now. Coming up, we're going to look at watch some matches so we're going to watch a match or two and you're going to kind of give your input on it we've got plenty of you know time to go over more tna stuff i wanted to kind of do a a whole episode solely about tna that was just from your perspective without a guest involved or anything but at this point you know basically you leave tna at this point and you kind of said it a little bit but what led up to you leaving essentially i mean basically like uh, like I said, I just wasn't in the, the right click, and I knew not to quit yeah. that job and go yeah. to Florida. I just right. knew not to do that. Not yeah. saying that just, if I wanted to, they would have took me. Because, like I said, I, I had to fight for my money and all that at the end, so might have had a little heat right. there. But How was Jeff when you left? I mean, what did you just explain it to him, or was this the point you're like, dude, where's my money? I'm not sure that I dealt with Jeff too much on that, because at that point, okay. you know, with Penn, charge and all that it wasn't just money it wasn't his <laughs> money know? yeah yeah it makes sense right and that makes total sense once you went to company like that buys it out so at that point you had left tna and it, i mean how did you feel at that point were you like okay I, I i'm okay now this is i got a job we're good i'm done with yeah. them i mean yeah i pretty much i, I think that was right the time i kind of i quit the business for a while i just said i was tired of yeah. it you know yeah and yeah. all the goes along with it and I just yeah I don't know I was burned out at that point and bummed out and yeah I said fuck it I mean dude you're a you're a seasoned veteran at this point you know I mean yeah it wouldn't you know with the OBW deal and the WCW guys coming in and basically pushing out all you good working dudes yeah you know and then and DNA happening you know I, nothing left to prove is the kind of the way I felt about it I was like okay I made my mark in Memphis. I went to WWF. You know, I may not have been right. in the position, but fuck you. I was on WrestleMania. I went yeah. to WCW. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the greatest position in WCW, but that was still the second biggest company at the time. Right. I went to ECW and made a you know, nice little statement there. Uh, I went to Puerto Rico. Mexico, and then I had been to this uh, upstart company called TNA and won the tag team titles there. So I was like, "Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I really don't have enough to prove. I ain't got rich at this shit, but I've 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 left a mark, I believe. Absolutely, and that mark is still there. So really, you know, that's going to wrap up the main part of our show. Now, the next part of our show is a little game I like to call the name game. It's not mm-hmm. quite as illustrious as current affairs, but we're going to 
dig into some names here. Really, you know, quick, you know, you don't have to go too crazy. If you just don't want to say anything about somebody, we'll skip them. So to start with the the list, like I started on the show, we're going to dip our toe in the OBW, but we'll quickly go to TNA. So we'll start out with Mm -hmm. this, Leviathan. (laughs) Batista. Um, Now, when when he first started, I mean, he's a heck of a nice guy when I met him. Uh, I don't know. I've heard things since he's, you know, become the guy that's in the movies and shit. Uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was horrible. He was very horrible when he started, but uh, we all know what he's become now. So, you know, I tell yeah. you to that. Absolutely. Shane Douglas. Shane's, Shane's cool man. And, you know, obviously can work his ass off. Um, he was, he was, uh, we never really hung out or anything, not at ACW and, and not, not in TNA. Um, yeah. but you know, Shane's a hell of a worker, man. And, uh, cuts a hell of a promo. Yeah. Yeah. Julio De Niro. <laughs> man. Well, I don't even know what happened to that guy. Um, I mean, <laughs> he, was there for, he was there for about 30 seconds. I think, you know, we worked <laughs> with him and with, him and Raven uh, and, and CM Punk, there was a little thing that, you know, a little group that worked against us. And he yeah. he was okay. I don't really know what happened to him. Yeah. Now, this next guy, for some reason, I feel like you guys are like parallel characters. Like, And I just feel like it's crazy that y'all ended up basically in and around the same area. So, Kid Cash, what you got about Kid? Kid Cash, that's my buddy, man. Uh Cash actually uh, lived with me for just a little while. Um, when uh, when I was in Nashville, he was having a little trouble, and I I didn't have no no girlfriend or nothing at the time, so I let him stay with me for a while. Uh, we've always been cool. We never really have worked each other. Uh, I don't know. I've worked him like I think like twice, three times, or something like that, which is hard to imagine because we were so close. We just we lived close to each other. Um, yeah. Saw him the last time I saw him. I just happened to be at the gym, and he was in the gym, and that was the first time I'd seen him in a while. But yeah, Cash is Cash is my buddy, man. Yeah, man, and, and you get what I mean by that. Like, I feel like you guys are like parallel characters. I don't know why. I just feel like you're trained by legends. You should have had much longer in the big time than you did. And yeah. you had you had USWA. He had ECW. You had ECW some, you you know what I mean? I don't know. It just feels like you guys are like, I mean, he had, he had a hell of a run in TNA, man. Cause they, they were, they had such a hard on for that X division, man. They love that shit. You know, the, yeah, the, 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 the writers, bookers, whatever fuck it is. And they had a hard on for X division. So he got a hell of a push with that. And I think that, that might've got him over more than ECW got him over. He had a quick little run. Uh, I never really saw their stuff in WWE, but I think that was a pretty quick little run, was it not? It was, man, and that's what I meant. Like you, get, you didn't get enough time there. He didn't get enough time right. there. Uh, you, you yeah, made it there. Don't get me wrong, but you know what I'm saying. Like I just felt like right. most y'all could have had much more there. He did the right. Pitbull gimmick, which was cool, you know, with him and Jamie Noble yeah. and stuff. Anyway, Kid Cash, he's a Virginia guy. I'm a Virginia guy. All due respect. What's funny is he was David Jericho. That was the first time I ever saw him wrestle. He was doing David oh, yeah. Jericho, and he was the third Rock and Roll Express member. And I think right. 
he was doing the whole gimmick with them, and he, he went by David Jericho at that time. Anyway, Lance Archer. He went by Lance Hoyt Dallas. I think he went by Dallas at that yeah. time. As as Hoyt, I worked with him uh, at traditional championship wrestling, that indie thing that was in Missouri uh, that I thought was going to do good, but they marked out and yeah. fucked it up. But, uh, yeah, he's a he's a good guy, man. Um, he he wasn't. I mean, obviously he was green in TNA, but then over there with that other place, he was pretty good. Somewhere now, what is he AEW now? What? AEW getting managed by Jake the Snake. He almost broke his neck, though, the other night. It was bad. Mm. He did a moonsault, man, and, and really, I just don't know why massive guys do a moonsault, dude. I just, off the top rope, I don't know. I just, it never yeah. ends well, man. You know, I know you're athletic, but golly, it's <laughs> yeah. a lot. Okay, I know you brought him up. Well, uh, Malice. Malice was a great talent. Uh <laughs> It's, it's sad what happened to him. Another one that, you know, he left us a little too soon. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he added a great dimension to the new church, the very beginnings of the new church. And, um, you know, again, uh, I'm, I'm not one to, you know, really hang out with a lot of people and stuff like that. And, and something I do regret uh, about myself is that I really... <laughs> I don't know if it's just, I don't think it's being self-centered. It's just my personality to where I was, I was brought into the business not to mark out for people and things like that. So I never really got to know people other than, okay, what this guy does in the ring so that I can right. work with them, you know? And I didn't really, Hey, where are you from? What's your background? Blah, blah. And, and sure. you know, if it was, Obviously, people that I rode rode up down the roads with a lot, then you do that. But just in the dressing room, it just doesn't come up. And then, like I said, going out, there was just certain people that I would go out with, you know. So uh, no, that makes sense. I do kind of regret not getting to know people a little better. But you know, it's just my personality. Yeah, no, and and that makes sense, you know. A lot of these guys are brand new to the business. You're like a seasoned veteran at this point. How about Ken Shamrock, man? <laughs> well, obviously not one that I really hung out with, but one that right. the, the best story in the whole wide world is his first night in WWF. Uh, you know, everybody, you know, all those guys, Jamie knew all them guys. I think I've, told this before, you know, they came through Memphis, they came through Dallas and Jamie was a kid. And, you know, a lot of those guys, right. Stone Cold, Baker, all these guys, Shamrock didn't know who the fuck Jamie was. So <laughs> I don't remember where we were, but, um, this is during our nation of domination thing. And the dressing room was a big open area with lockers all around, you know, like a square room with lockers all around the sides. Okay. And, um, so everybody just kind of sitting around. Like I said, it was his first night in, if I recall. And yeah. <laughs> Jamie, this is, you know, I guess UFC had kind of really just got going. He was one of their first stars or whatever. And Jamie was a big mark for it when it first started. So yeah. Shamrock's sitting there dressed, just, you know, all serious and shit. I, you know, never really been in a wrestling locker room and shit. <laughs> fucking everybody's sitting around just chilling or whatever. It's pretty early uh, before the show. And uh, Jamie looks over at him. He goes, hey, 
Ken looks, and I mean, Ken's just got this serious fucking look on his face, right? Of course, and yeah, yeah. He, he looks at Jamie. Jamie goes, "Ain't you Ken Shamrock?" And he's like, "Yeah." Oh, real serious, yeah. And Jamie sticks his leg out and pats his thigh. He says, "Why don't you jump on in here and get you some of that?" And everybody <laughs> just starts fucking dying, man. Just fucking dying, going, ooh, you know, but they know Jamie. And so it was like, this motherfucker's just fucking with Ken Shamrock. Obviously does not want <laughs> Ken Shamrock to jump in and get none of that. But he said it. And, and he, Ken, Ken got this look on his face like he, like, because the boys reacted. So Ken just kind of raised an eyebrow and kind of looked around like, what the fuck? (laughs) It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. But Jamie, you know, hey, man, I've watched you, blah, 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 blah. But he said, I'm just fucking with you. But uh, he said, why don't you jump on in here and get some of that? (laughs) Classic. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, man. Oh, God, that's awesome. Because I'm sure, like, you know, <laughs> I mean, you knew he was joking, but what would you have done, man? It's like, I mean, would you have just kind of said, all right, Jamie, it's on, man, I guess? <laughs> no, you're fucking right. <laughs> yeah. It's all stupid fault. But, you see, Jamie can get away with shit like that, man. Jamie right, can do right. shit that he can do. He just can't. Yeah, he's got that energy about it, you know? Yeah. He's just... People, I don't know, man. He that's that's so funny. We've got to get him on here. We will. We everybody. Yeah, he's active. We will. It's a future episode. It's a guarantee. So, all right. <laughs> um, uh, this one you brought up, Bob Ryder. Uh, I mean, Bob was a nice guy. Um, well, he passed away not too long ago, didn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, he was a nice yeah. guy, but he, he for sure was one of those guys. I mean, you hear the stories. Uh, Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Wasn't there. Right. Uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, he had his guys, man. And yeah. it's usually the younger, pretty guys. And Right. Sure. You know, he yeah. and he and Bert were real close. And, again, yeah. you hear the stories. Right. I don't know. Hey. I wasn't there. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <But>. Never knew. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> It, that yeah. is what it is. I mean, and, and what about uh, Bill Barron's too? Isn't that weird? It's Bill Barron's and Burt Prentice and then Bob. You never mind. Yeah. All I mean, right. They were all that same group, and it was their guys. It was all the little young, little pretty dudes, man. And yeah, you know, that is what it is. Uh, Bill Bill and Burt both. You know, were always good to me, but never. Yeah. Uh, on that level, where you know what I'm saying, of course, where I was in that of course, and all that kind of shit. Yeah, because let it be, yeah, let it be known, live and in color fans like y'all, <laughs> it was always <laughs> known from afar. <laughs> yeah, Wolfie was, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so Chris Harris, <laughs> Chris was uh, was a hell of a worker. Uh, he was in that clique. Um, yeah, and and. Like I say, us working with them kind of helped us a little bit just, you right. know, because we were their guys over, but we're smart enough and, and seasoned, as you say, enough to know how to get ourselves over at the same time, uh, me and Brian. Right. But yeah. also a fucking crybaby. Uh, right. Him and, him and James, 
they, James gets it now, but at that point he was super green. Um, his first, you know, big push in a, you know, what what was kind of a big company at that time, you know, something yeah. that was it was national. And I think I told you this before, but if they if they found out they wasn't going over, them motherfuckers would pout. I never seen nothing like it. I'm talking like yeah. little kids with their arms crossed, heads on their arms, arms on their knees. You know, yeah. I, I'm End not of the joking world. with you. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen two guys do that, but right, it was it was because they were so used to being uh, babied and pacified and taken care of by the three gentlemen that we mentioned just a few minutes ago. Sure. Right, exactly. And that leads me into James Storm. As you know, um, broke him into business, and I think he's a hell of a worker. I mean, he's the the most successful uh, person that I ever trained. I mean, he became a world champion. Uh, he does a lot of stuff outside the business now. I respect that, man. He does little movies and shit like that. And, you know, he's he's done well for himself. Um, and... But like I said, he at that point in his career, he was doing that stuff. Like I just said about Chris, you know, they they were they were pouty. Um, yeah, and I, I, yeah. They've since you know grown out of that. I, I mean, Chris is out of the business, as far as I know. But I know James is you know uh, smarter than that now, and you know understands it better. Um, so I've always yeah. I've yeah. always liked him. Yeah. I've always liked him. Well, and my last name game team member here is the Harris brothers, the Ron and Don, the Jacob and Eli Blue. Yeah. What do you think about them, Harris? Yeah. I love Johnny, man. I've been working them since the early days of USWA um, and then worked them a lot there at TNA. Uh, You know, Ronnie used to be a cop and Donnie was kind of a party guy. So they were very different, but (laughs) obviously very same being identical twins. I used to couldn't tell them yeah. apart. And basically if, sure. I, if, I, if I hadn't been around them for a minute, it, yeah. but then you start, you see the things um, that separate them a little bit. But of course, I, <laughs> Donnie, you know, Donnie came to me one time. They always enjoyed working with me and they'd sell for me and everything like that, uh, especially at Slash. But Donnie came to me one time. He said, man, he said, I love, uh, I don't know, I love working with you or I love the way you work with me, something like that. He said, most of these guys, man, they're scared to hit us. He said, you don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) So I said that to the comp, because I do, I lay my shit in, man, especially if I'm working some big motherfucker like that that's going to hit me and I'm going to hit them too. He at least acknowledged and, you know, gave me props for not being scared to fucking hit them. So, yeah, I, was, I always liked them guys. I mean, working snug, as I've always heard, all the veterans that I respect and have heard, you know, working snug is, is the way to be, you know, that's just, yeah. uh, safe, you know, safe, but snug. These dudes now, man, they call it strong style. What the right. fuck is that? You know, and that's for there's a difference about being, being snug and being safe and then strong style. You know, what right. the fuck is that shit? Get out of here, man. They're just forearm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all forearms now, man. That's all it is. Like, is it, you don't ever see anybody throw good punch anymore. I mean, it's uh, a lost star. That's a lost It really art. is. Yeah. Well, anyway, that wraps up the name game for this episode here. So now, you know what time, kids? DJ, hit the music. 
episode of current affairs now it doesn't have anything to do with tna but this is our part of the current affairs so we're going to start off with a interesting question it's been pretty crazy in the world of wrestling and i know you don't pay attention to it wolfie but things have been pretty crazy our first one is basically charlotte flair is essentially begging wwe for her release so much so that she actually had the title and she threw it down in the ring. And Vince apparently was furious with her anyway. Do you think WWE can afford to lose Charlotte Flair? I mean, seeing the, the women's wrestling. What I'm reading on on the internet, just Facebook stuff. I mean, there's been, they've released a lot of people. Half the names, I didn't have a clue who it was. Uh, NXT, a couple yeah. 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 That news. I mean, hell, they let, they let Bray Wyatt go. Um, I know. I, I mean, I, I didn't get that. I, who knows, man? I mean, I feel on stuff like that, I almost feel like I'm out of touch with the business on that on that end of it. Uh, sure. Can sure. continue to go on? Can this Tony Khan uh, surpass the the you know the big machine of the WWE? It's hard to say, man. But I feel like you yeah. you got. You've got a, a, a different fan base uh, now that uh, they seem to be. Oh, they knock every fucking thing, first of all. But they were on right. the W or the W train. Oh my God, CM Punk! Now they're knocking him because uh, right. you know. And, and and I do see, I've, you know, a lot of actual veteran wrestlers uh, I've heard are saying, you know, they brought him in there and they ain't done shit with him. And I do see yeah. that. I get that yeah. part of it. But if you'll recall, I was the one that told you. <laughs> that, right. Right. Yeah. So, yes, that was a, a great entrance, but he is not the guy to carry a company. He's right. not the guy to take mainstream. He's not a stone cold. He's not the rock. He's not the person right. that is going to make a person that doesn't watch wrestling start watching wrestling. Right. He's not going to do it. I call it, like, I call it like my grandmother knows who this is. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like if you yeah. if your grandmother knows who my grandmother would know who Hulk Hogan was, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. so like to me, I think if AEW, I, you know, you pulled back the wool from my eyes on this from talking to you so much about this on the show. I was kind of like buying into it, but you pulled the wool back on my eyes there because basically I think if AEW were ever to get ahead of WWE, it would be that they've created someone that is a Hulk Hogan, that is a rock, that is a Stone Cold. And it would need to be somebody that they only had ties to. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Okay, so that leads me into the second, and you've already brought it up. Basically, they dropped 18 people from the roster. Mm -hmm. Keith Lee, Karrion Cross. we talked about him with Luke Hawks, and Nia Jax were the biggest names. Pretty surprising. Keith Lee, I think he's got some upside to him. Karrion Cross, I think, is, is a blue chipper. Just needs somebody to do something well with him. And then Nia Jax, who, you know, I've never been a fan, but at the same time, they dropped 18 people, and they've done it, you know, 
and they've done it. And it seems like it's a every three or four month thing with them now that they just yeah. drop people, you know, and that seems to be their new normal now, you know, as we've said so much lately, but anyway, <laughs> I, I don't know what their, what their thinking is, who makes that decision. I mean, you say they said the budget cuts, but then right after that, they announced the, the earnings for the quarter and what all that shit. Oh yeah. So it's like, I don't know what the, if it's a, okay, we want to keep having fresh spaces or is right. it, we look at these guys and none of them are going to do what we thought they were going to do, or are they not giving them enough time to do what they thought they were going to do? I don't know, man. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, unless you're, unless you're in the know, unless you're in the loop there, who really fucking knows? Maybe Vince truly wants some of these people to go to AEW so we can have another WCW WWE war. I don't know, man. You never know with this business. They they could be kayfabe in that, you know. Here, let's let these motherfuckers go. Let's let them go over there and let's spark some wrestling interest again. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point. It could be that. You never can tell. You've been right on a lot of things, Wolfie, so maybe that'll happen. Who knows? Okay. I mean, so, they, 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 I mean, obviously, they're not going to tell nobody that. They're going to let them go, right. let them get there, and then, and then start it up. And then, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? They'll end up back in WWE if they get big enough again, you know? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think as, as they all say, I still think WWE is the peak of the mountain, right? I mean, that's, of course, you know, it's the next, yeah. everybody, just like you said, your grandmother would know so-and-so, Hulk Hogan, uh, your grandmother right. knows what the WF is, you know? Exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. Half the people don't even, uh, the, the average person that's not a mark for wrestling, they would just call it, like you say, if I say, yeah, I used to be a pro wrestler. Oh, you mean like WWF? Yes. Like WWF, you know, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's the NFL. I mean, you think football, yeah. you think NFL. Nobody don't right. take that. It is so. Basically, this this one is is also kind of surprising. Although not really, they've kind of not really been a big deal for a while now. But basically, during COVID, it feels like it really kind of hurt them. But Ring of Honor, one of the only places Wolfie D never worked, <laughs> or maybe I'm wrong on that. But Ring of Honor officially is at the end of 2021. They are officially shutting down operations now. Oh. Whether it's a temporary pause or if it's a forever thing, but basically they're releasing everyone. And that's weird because, you know, Vince just flooded the market this whole year. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of guys are well, going to be out of work, you know? Yeah. Um, I've watched a couple of matches here and there just to kind of see. Um, it was hard to watch. So I'll be honest. It, it is hard to watch. It is. And then I, then I, this has just been the week that I, uh, I saw this Dan Housen guy and yeah. I, I listened to some of the interviews and stuff like that. I thought this is kind of funny. It reminded me his voice is like a, a cross between the eighties cartoon Skeletor and the joke. Yeah. That's kind of what I, I know. Like yeah. I was kind of a fan. And so then I was like, all right, let me watch this motherfucker work. See if I'm still a fan. So yeah, I watched one. He's all right. Uh, I watched him work the guy with the hands in the pockets. That get, I just I do not get that at all, at all. I mean, <laughs> anybody that can, you know, jump over for somebody, do a flip and get up, 
keep up with your hands in your pockets. Okay, hats off for that. But I just don't get it. It's fucking stupid to me. Why? If somebody walks up and has their hands in their pockets, turn to wrestle, and lightly kicks me in the foot, I'm going to fucking punch them. I mean, (laughs) you've got to make it believable. But um, I don't get it. And maybe I'm just out of touch because obviously a lot of the fans get it um, or like it. But anyway, right. That's ring yeah. of honor. Yeah. I just haven't seen anything there that makes me go, wow, this is great. Like I said, every right. time I've seen something, it's just very hard to watch. Yeah. You know, I agree with you. I do enjoy Dan Housen. I think he has bought into that character 100%. The only mm-hmm. thing that I think about it is I think it stinks that managers aren't a bigger deal now because I think that would be where he would be best suited for you know what i mean yeah yeah because yeah. he can work don't get me wrong i mean he can work enough but yeah, he, he's, a, he's got a character that to me yeah. you know it would be it's a unique. great manager yeah well really that one is the end of the current affairs and again thanks for tuning in wolfie i, I feel like this was a fun episode man I, I hope you had a good time with it um yeah we all good time man again thanks for everybody listening and um go to the website Got some shirts on there you can get. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Listen to Live and Color Wolfie D. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. The podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics, to superstar interviews, to action figure expertise. This team does it all, and all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right. It's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at genejacksonpod.com. Hey, 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 it's the Heat Visor Scotty Blaze. Now I'm inviting all of y'all to join me on my brand new podcast, Turning Up the Heat with the Heat Visor Scotty Blaze. What are you waiting for? Come on over and join me. I'll be covering all the events of the day. Global, national, pop culture, movies, gaming, whatever sounds interesting. But I'll also be playing some awesome skating shuffle music from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. Anything that has a good beat, I'm going to be playing it. You can rest assured. Come on over. T-U-T-H-Radio.com. The podcast is on every major podcast platform. 
See you then. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Don't rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while when you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected. Mad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later. Not here to play games, so you better be You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. All the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. When I finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up. Driving it home, it's Wolfie D, baby. Huh? I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.